One of the things I do feel that business owners do tend to do is 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 they're quite not all of them, but if you're all about yourself and only mm. getting yourself to the top and not your team, that's when you hit a massive you hit a massive like plateau because your team is the are the people that are going to help you build yourself and themselves together. So your the mindset should change. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co slash F-R-E-E or www.firl.co slash free. All right, guys, welcome back to this uh, podcast. And, you know, we usually do, you know, sp- you know, investing content, but uh, I think this one will be very unique, very special because it gives you into insight into a new kind of, or at least to me, a new kind of uh, business model, definitely for the future. And for those of you who are unaware, um, our guest today is actually a, uh, a cousin of mine. Uh, do you prefer to call be called uh, Pei or Pei Xiang? Which one? Pei. Pei, all right, all right. Um, yeah, so actually, in a way, like this Zoom session is not just a podcast. It's a catch-up between both of us. Because uh, <laughs> maybe literally, I mean, we've not uh, chatted for ages, right? Yeah, like... It's really a catch-up about... Yeah, and the reason why I decided to bring on the podcast is because I, I just saw the journey of what you've done with PB Physio. And I thought that among other things, how you've managed to build a business out of it. And there's this whole thing about businesses struggling during the pandemic. And what I saw just from the outside without talking to, you know, your family members to ask, uh, ask for updates, I could see that tremendous growth, right? So I'm very yeah. interested to learn about that story. And just to start off, right, maybe you can just introduce yourself and also explain how did you turn what you are passionate in, which is uh, um, uh, physio, into a business? All right. So my name is Pei Gan or Pei Bokonfuso. Um, I'm a physiotherapist and I'm also a powerlifter. So I'm a competitive powerlifter. So I started my business, PB Physio, because when I was working as a physiotherapist in a different company, and competing in powerlifting, I was heading up to my first well, uh, first competition, um, and I had hurt myself, my back, and I couldn't compete. But I wanted to make national the national championships, so you had to make some a qualifying number to make the national championships. And so what I did, I had ten days, and I went to the doctor. This is not advisable. I went to the doctor, asked them for a, a painkillers. I could not lift more than 30 kilos, but I needed obviously more than 30 kilos to make the qualifying number. Right. And then I went and competed and I made it. But 
I couldn't get back to training and lifting more than 30 kilos after that. Um, and what happened was I was like, that's weird. I'm a physio and I can treat people with back injuries and disc injuries, but why can't I, and I can get them back to their normal lives, but why can't I do that with my sport? Um, then I realized that most people only lift up to 20 kilos, which I could do, but 30 kilos and beyond I couldn't do. So I found basically a niche in the market and I was like, if I'm the, if I'm struggling with this and I don't want to quit, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of other athletes struggling with this in different sport as well as mine. Because back then in powerlifting, if you get a back injury or a disc injury, you basically quit. Um, right. Yeah, so then I started really obsessing over it because there are, there are people that told me to stop. And they're, they're trying to be nice, but people that told me to stop People that told me to quit, someone told me what would a good physio do, and that really fired me up. So I went and obsessed over it, learned how to treat it, got a name in treating strength athletes and lifters back to the platform, uh, competition platform. And then currently fast forward, I decided to start a company to treat athletes because I'm an athlete myself. I do not want to stop competing or I don't want, I don't want someone to feel the same thing I felt not being able to compete for a year and then I uh, well so fast forward as well in my career as a competitive powerlifter I went to the world championships in June and represented Australia so I basically took two passions my obsession for piloting and my obsession for physio and I combined it and I made it a company so just to <clears throat> clarify, you mentioned uh, niche just now, right? So yeah. specifically, it's for recovering athletes. Am, am I right to say that? The was first that niche I found was pretty much um, in piloting itself. I was like, okay, there's not many physios that know how to treat someone back to pre-injury standards or competition standards after injury. Because right. I couldn't find many. I couldn't find any, and if I probably one. And then the next niche, I, as it start, as companies started growing, I realized, hey, this isn't like every sport because a lot of different sports started coming to see me. And I was like, okay, this isn't every sport. And most of the people I feel in that occupation in physio, they're, they could be for sports physios, but they, they themselves aren't athletes. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's another niche in itself because I can feel what most people feel, like what these athletes feel, and most physios can't. And most pe physios have this perception that it takes quite a long time to rehab or quite like once you get an injury, you know, it's like just management. But I, I believe that's not true. I believe you can actually... Um, rehab 99% of injuries. The only reason why I'm saying 99% is because I'm happy to be proven wrong for that 1%. I'm open to that, but I right. I really don't think that's, yeah, I don't really don't I, think that's the case. Uh, I'll get into the, uh, maybe we can get into the science of uh, rehab a little bit uh, later on, but I, I want to peel back and go back to, I think it's one thing to like be really passionate about something and then identify that you know, there's this niche or there's this hole in the market that you can fill. 
But of course, starting out and then branching out and doing something your own is not necessarily like, it's not the first thing people think about. And there's always a lot of self-doubt and also other people outside saying you can't do it. So why, yeah. yeah, what was it like in the early days when you're starting out the business, getting your name out and, you know, yeah, I just want to get Yeah, started. so when I first started, I was working for a different company and I was just really getting my name out as a physio that treats uh, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters. And a lot of people had told me that, oh, there's no money in that sport, so no one will come see you. And that just drove me. So I have this thing where people tell me I can't do something and it just drives me even more to, to do it, just to prove them wrong. So, right. um, so that's how I started growing my name and through Instagram, through social media, I just practice, just put out what I'm doing there and just slowly just learn about social media. And whoever that sees me that wants to come see me, they'll contact me. And that's how I started it. Then I realized that, um, I, I wanted to start a company and I realized that the company I was at was not conducive to what I wanted, right. um, to the same, same goals. So what I did was, um, they wanted to basically start, give me a, a separate company and open up a company, uh, uh, sorry, open up a practice for me. And then they also offered me like a really huge promotion and they also offered to pay for my, Masters of Sports Physio, but I realized that I couldn't do it with that company for a few reasons, and so I decided to just, and this is not like, like what I'm saying now, obviously it's very scary, because at that time, I don't know if I was going to succeed or fail, but I might as well have tried. Yeah, like if I don't try, I don't know. So what I did was I quit Masters of Sports Physio, because I didn't see the point of getting a degree at that time for someone yeah. like people that were just treating, but not really knowing how an athlete feels. And at the same time of that, I quit my job and I turned down the promotion. The promotion was to be a business development across the whole company, like three practices and also as a physio and start a, a company. So I turned that all down. I quit. I had my savings and I just, did it. I was like, well, fuck it. If this doesn't work, then I'll find another job. But if it works, it'll be great. Right. And then, uh, you know, I always like to figure out those around you, right? How, what would you gauge the support level was, you know, with the people around you, you know, your then boyfriend, now um, <clears throat> husband, right? And uh, yeah. you know, things like that, friends, family. So I would say the two biggest people that really, really supported it was my husband um, and boyfriend at the time. He, I just, he just believed that it, like, it will succeed. Like he didn't have any doubt. And then I also had a friend that actually currently works with us in the, in PB physio. Um, And she was like, no, go get it. Like, I'm very sure you'll succeed. So those two people like really believed in me, which then made me realize like, you know, if someone, if two people believe in you so much, then you need to start believing yourself a bit more. So right, that's right. one of the two drivers. And then obviously there are going to be naysayers. They're going to be like people that say, no, you can't do it. And it's more, I guess it's not because they're, it's their projection of themselves to you versus right. them thinking of you per se, they can't do it. So that just drives me. <laughs> that just right, goes, right. Oh, I'm going to yeah. prove you wrong then. 
And um, I remember calling my parents up and telling them this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that time, I did have a reputation in in lifting. So, you know, I told them and then they said, you know what, if you really want to do this, then just do it. So yeah. I did. And then I actually flew back to Malaysia for my grandma's 80th. So mm-hmm. after I quit and was looking for a location, I actually signed the location while I was in Malaysia, attending my grandma's 80th. So oh, when I <laughs> but the location is in Australia, uh, Australia, in Australia or, yeah. Right, so right. I was I signed it in the probably under a month. I found a place, probably three weeks oh. actually. So but, yeah. What was the game plan? Because uh, I'm I'm not sure whether this was running to your head, but you know the physio industry is not a new industry. Mm. So you you going into as someone totally new, right? What was the game plan for you to really? Um, did, did, are you someone who plans out the steps ahead, or you kind of just feel? I do feel both. So you obviously have to plan and you have to have a big picture. But at the same time, right. all your steps, your small steps to hit to the big picture, probably will never perfectly go to plan. Yeah. So the way we were going to differentiate ourselves was. One, I was pretty, I was big, uh, pretty big on social media in the sense that I didn't have like 80,000 followers, but at that time I probably had 6,000 followers, but I was converting a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. and then the game plan was pretty much to differentiate ourselves by being, uh, having the mission statement of stopping athletes retiring due to injury. Right. And differentiating ourselves by, most physio practices just treat general population and do not know how to treat sport. Mm. And that's how we differentiated ourselves. We do still see general population, but we treat them more like we treat athletes versus, and we found that their recovery is actually a lot faster as well. So right. that's pretty much how we grew ourselves through social media. At the same time, while I was building the business at the start, I actually was competing in the under 47 kilo weight class. Right. So I had to cut. I messed up my cut because I was busy moving the the equipment and I had to lose 2.7 kilos in 13 hours. 13 hours, wow. Yeah, so I was doing that and then I was starting the business and I was doing the social media and I just and then just going business development, talking to a whole bunch of different people and I was treating at the same time from different different locations before the primary location was built right oh so so yeah. back then there, there wasn't like a centralized area where your clients would go there you actually had to go to where they were to treat them am i right to say no that? i had i was treating our three gyms while that um centralized area was being built that centralized area took about two more weeks to be built but while i was waiting for that to be built i was treating at different gyms because I had basically connections with different gyms. Um, So yeah, I was trading out of them and paying them rent. And then the moment mine opened, um, I still treated out a few of the gyms, but the uh, Marrickville became the central hub. And then our books were full when we started. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, one thing you mentioned very interesting just now and um, is one of the big advantages you have and then, you know, subsequently your team has is the fact that you know how an athlete feels. And that's really important even from a business perspective uh, because that 
you're, you're able to relate to your clients a lot more. And of course, the, the, the net results is that they're going to start recommending other people and you know, perhaps you can charge higher and things like that. But why yeah. is it, why was it important that you could know how they felt versus you know, someone else who, would, who knows the science as good as you do or maybe even better? Okay, so I'll actually answer that in two ways. There's one, that athlete mentality actually has helped me through business a lot. Like, and in the business world, that athlete mentality, I brought across the athlete mentality to the business world and that has helped me push like boundaries or things that people give up on very quickly. Two, when you have the same, when you feel what the, the, um, when you feel what the client feels, when someone comes to you and you, um, they go, oh, when I get under a, the low bar squat, my shoulder uh-huh. starts feeling numb. Uh-huh. And a lot of times, most people will be like, I, like most physicists, but I have no idea what a low bar squat is. <laughs> Secondly, I don't know why your shoulder will feel numb. Right. If you, if I start feeling that, I would obsess about it a lot more and I'll put my science knowledge into it plus my practical knowledge and I can combine it because I understand how it feels. And it's not just about getting under the bar. When you head for a competition, there's all these mental things that you need to work on. You're starting, you're you're putting so much more load. There's fatigue that needs to build up. There's just a lot of combination of things that people don't really understand unless you feel it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's that's actually very true because it's one thing to, just read something online to figure out why my shoulder is painful versus yeah. actually talking to someone who probably felt it before, done it before, and actually came out with unique solutions. They can't really find Agreed. it. Right? I'm also going to say the things that you read in books or the things that you read in studies, especially studies, right? it takes about 10, what, don't quote me, but six to 10 years before a study actually comes out and is published when people are already doing it in in the field. Right. So a lot of times it's quite outdated. But that does not mean that studies aren't good. It just means that, okay, so currently for me, a lot of people have asked me, hey, why would, wouldn't you go back to uni and do like a study or like, um, you know, get a PhD? Actually, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you can get a study published. Why would I do that and get a study published if I earn this much getting a study published and I earn this much now? It doesn't make sense. And also, I hate just sitting at a desk and trying to, do you know what I mean? I mean, you're better off like getting someone to film a documentary of what you guys have been doing. And I think that that in and of itself is already, that's probably more productive. Yeah. Well, most people in, in like the field or most people in the practical part of it don't really want to go back to an academic and start writing papers. It's not very fun because yeah. like, it's like telling like a, 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 a military, telling the military, Hey, would you rather play a video game of shooting? Like, you know, of defending your country or would you rather defend yeah. your country? Like, yep. well, <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting analogy, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with the, I agree with that sentiment for sure. But you going back to the athlete mindset that you mentioned and how that actually helped you break boundaries. Uh, Give me a sense of what that mindset is. And also like, what were the boundaries being broken down by you and your team? There are a few. So in terms of the athlete mindset, there are things that you need to learn 
you need to learn how to when to pull back, but you also need to know when to keep going, even though you're in pain. Okay. So keeping keep going, even though you're in pain, even though your body feels like it's been battered, and even though like everything is saying to stop. That helps a lot in business, especially when you first start off in a company. Like I, I had like four hours sleep a night, and I was doing like I don't even know how many different things I was doing. I was constantly doing it. I was barely sleeping. If you look at my car, it's so scratched up because I've hit it multiple times <laughs> when I first started the company.、Um, and that mindset of like, no,、nah, you can go one more, one more day,、right. or one more step. That really helps because that's what happens when you hit comp, and you have like you know 150 kilos on the bar, and you have to keep lifting it, although you're so tired,、um, although you, your body feels like crap. Do you know what I mean?、Yeah. So that really helps through that.、Um, in I feel like in the industry, I guess as well, that that is a lot a bit more. It is more male dominated in. Ah yes, yeah. Yes. It's more male dominated in the sport that I I am in in sports physio itself and in business ownership itself. So they're just you treat it a little bit differently, but、really? that's just that's just society, right? Society's norms are like that, and、right. you just have to you know take it on the chin and keep going. And that's pretty much in competition, like. A whole bunch of shit happens in competition. When I was in the under forty seven kilo weight class, I there was talcum powder on the floor, and I pulled and tried to win the goal, and I slipped and fell. I know. I remember this.、Uh, yeah. There was, a, <laughs> was, there was a. You were also talking about how you were recovering from that as well, right? On on social. Yeah,、media. because I was hoping to go to the world championships. Um, and crap like that happens all the time. It's no one's fault, right? It's just. Shit happens,、yeah. and you have to deal with、yeah. it.、Um, so that that has really helped me.、Um, what was the? And it just helps when someone, if someone can relate to you, if you can relate to someone, and someone really understands you, you're more inclined to wanna, you know, be treated by them because you know you un, they understand what you feel. Yeah,、mm. that, that's true. That's true. Now, one one thing I remember was that you really.、Um, Like okay, in your industry, obviously the pandemic was huge, right?、Mm. And I still remember that it was during the pandemic that the Olympics happened. Yeah, and I recall you had Olympians, right? As some of your、yeah. clients, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, share with me that that journey because it's one thing to, you know, <laughs> treat ordinary people like me. Another is to actually have、uh, clients who actually. Are in the Olympics during the pandemic when you can't physically be there helping them, right? Yeah. So during what happened during the pandemic,、um, we had a lockdown. So in terms of in the physio world, there were comments and people were freaking out. Like business owners are going insane、yeah. because they're like, "How am I gonna sustain my my clientele? How am I gonna sustain my employees?"、Um, So during the pandemic, I actually was the the year before I was practicing treating different strength athletes because there's this powerlifter that was held the world record in squat and he was not in Sydney, he was in Melbourne and he had just asked like, could would you see me online? And I'm like, 
why not? Yeah. <laughs> I do it. I do it with my friends anyway. So I tried doing that, and so that actually equipped me really well for the pandemic. Because when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, what are we gonna do? Because we have all these employees to pay. No one's coming in. There were physio owners. And how big was the team back then? Sorry, how big was your team back then when the pandemic hit? Probably like how many were? One, two, three, four, five. About six, five, six people, five people. Yeah. And so, we're, physios were talking about how their their occupation would be obsolete because you know we didn't know what was going to happen next, right? Yeah. So yeah, like, I oh, remember. our job is going to be gone. We're not going yeah. to be. So what I started thinking about, I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? Because I still have to pay people. And every physio at that time was being like let go and fired at, um, in different in different practices. So I just, I don't know, I was just sitting there. I had this idea that, hey, if I know how to treat people online, um, I'm what I can do one, I can show my whole team how to do it. Um, one other physio was already doing it with me and I can teach them how to do it. Two, if I teach everyone out there how to do it, one, I will save physios and help them keep their jobs by doing online consults. Two, if I show it to social media and I put it out there by teaching them, then people will see if I'm the teacher, therefore I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah. therefore, if I need physio currently and I can't leave the house, the first person I'm going to is the teacher. So, one, we helped the community as a whole on how to treat if they watched our videos. Two, we helped ourselves as a, as a company because then people started going, cool, like, let's try it. Three, the third thing you needed to do is you needed to be able to sell it to people and convince people that it works, what, yeah. that it works over me touching you. And, and that was actually another, like we actually had to talk to people and teach our, our staff how to talk to them as well and to try it out and to talk to clients to try it out. And they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's how it started. And it started going all over like, nationwide to like different states in Australia and then it started now we've seen about 26 different countries online amazing so countries like Iceland I like I was like okay I don't know how you found me but fair enough um but, we have like Saudi Arabia stuff like that yeah right are you getting any, I don't know any athletes from the world cup right now because it's happening just that's ah, out there. I don't I don't actually see too many um team sport I see a lot of individual sport right yeah I just see some team sport but I see a lot of like you know fight strength sport stuff like that yeah so as far as the the effectiveness of the the advice and the service and the treatment right was uh, you know com- in comparison between what you would do physically and also the online stuff how how you measure both them up you know in terms of getting results for your clients so we have a system of how to measure the um joint ranges but then whatever the person says that's aggravating them so let's say you tell me my squat 100 kilos is hurting me okay and i'll make you i'll get you to squat 100 kilos i will treat you and then i'll get you squat 100 kilos again the pain's gone that's pretty much a result, right? Um, 
and then educating them on how to keep doing this over and over again because you can actually influence pain in one session quite easily. It's keeping influence it there. Influence pain. Sorry, what yeah. do you mean? So wow. you can get rid of pain in one session very, quite easily. If someone has the capabilities to be able to understand what you're doing, be able to feel the right muscles that you want them to do, which most people are like, how does that happen? I'm like, it does. But the way to get rid of it completely, you have to practice the same movement over and over again until your brain has become subconsciously competent at yep. it. Then it's, then yeah. So it's like I've retraining gotten, like habits, right? Because yes, you, it's pretty yeah. much retraining habits, muscular patterns and retraining habits. So I've gotten wow. like people to competition that can't bend, like literally comes in the, the clinic, cannot bend, cannot touch the toes, four days on the platform lifting 300 kilos. Amazing. Or I've had an ice skater that was scary because the ice skater, I've never treated an ice skater. She comes in and she goes, uh, I was skating this way, my knee went the other way, and now wow. I can't walk. And I have, what was it? It was... And it was 13 days to the national championships to qualify for the world championships in synchronized ice skating. So her team is actually relying on her as well. Wow. And she won. She won. Amazing. Yep. You know, of all like the different types of sports athletes that you treat, which one are, I'm not even sure how to ask this question. Now, which one are the most difficult or unique types, you know, because certain sports, like, I mean, like, like powerlifting, there's a lot more, uh, like there's no sudden movements, right? Like, let's say like ice skating, you know, there's a lot of agility involved and things like that. How, how would you say, what would you say is like the most unique type of athletes to treat? That's quite a, that's a quite a hard question because it depends on the person. It's more the person than anything. A person, because in okay. power, yeah, in powerlifting, your third attempt is something you've never done before or usually something you've never done before. So it actually, you will always go out of form. So those like fast movements or whatever, those un- movements that you don't account for, that can happen in powerlifting. Mm. Because, you know, you lose the bar, <laughs> then it's going to come crashing down. Hopefully you have spotters, but yeah, that's there's risk of injury. And then changing directions as well, risk of injury so, uh, in a different sport. Someone colliding with you or, you know, fight, MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of different injuries as well. Um, It really depends on the person and how you can mentally teach that person. If that person has enough mental mental strength to be able to keep going as well and how you can slowly build a mental and physical, uh, it can work really well, especially with the pressure of, oh my gosh, I have the Olympics in a few days. Like, yeah. That that pressure actually incre- in- increases your your when you have anxiety, you have more stress. When you have more stress, you have more pain, right? That's 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 really true. And like, <clears throat> but like, what are the? So that's maybe on the elite level, right? But maybe your more ordinary clients. What are some of the things that they tell themselves that you would say it's a self created? It's a self sabotage. What are some of the things that people like to lies essentially tell themselves? I guess to them, it's the truth um, because right. they've not been educated enough, but right. they would say like, oh, I can, I will never be able to, to 
bend my knees again. Like it's the most ridiculous things. I can't squat again. I'm like, you go to the toilet and you squat every day. <laughs> what do you mean you can't squat? Like, um, just like a oh, bone on bone. This will never, this is something I have genetically and it'll never change. So just things like, or things that people actually have told them, like surgeons have told them, I've had a, a gen pop dancer, a little like dance in her spare time. She was told by, she was Italian, she was told by Italian surgeon that she should never bend again. That's crazy. Right? I mean, quit, you would think yeah. that these are the guys that are there to improve you and heal you and here they are saying, no, it's... It this just depends bad, on the yeah. person. Sometimes the surgeon might have these different beliefs or sometimes your the person can misinterpret what what a health professional says as well. You know, it can be both ways. There are some health professionals that go, no, you can't do this again. And that's more a bit more of an old school kind of thinking. But, you know, they're not doing it to harm them. They're trying their best in what they think they, they're doing, but it could be the wrong advice. Okay, okay. Now, this next uh, question, I think it's very, this is this would be a lot more relevant who, to people who want to do what you're doing, who perhaps they're already in the field, they're maybe a personal trainer or a physiotherapist or whatever, and they want to, you know, they look at what you're doing and they think, you know what, that's something I like to do. One of the big challenges for a lot of, let's call it solopreneurs, right, is building a team. And mm. they want a certain profile of their trainers and certain way of doing things. And for yourself, right? How do you create a standardization for, you know, in terms of protocols, in terms of uh, service quality, especially when you've got a team of, you know, very different people, different personalities, different background. Some people came from the fighting background. You came from the powerlifting background. And so every personal trainer or physio has their own story. But how do you create a, something more standardized, a company essentially of mm. these individuals? So what I usually do is when I interview people, I want to make sure that they have the same values as I do. Okay. So, and the, like my, the three main values that the company has is strength, uh, honor and progression. If you, if you fit those three and I think, and I see that you're open to learning, I don't care what your results are in uni. I don't care about anything. As long as you have those three and you, um, can practice, I'm happy to take you on board, regardless of what sport, whatever your sport is or your passion is. I'll, I know I can help you get there because I know I can help show people how to break into different industries of different sports. Yeah. Um, so, but we are actually very, very big on writing systems and protocols. So right. simple systems, things that people say, oh, why doesn't this person know this? It's common sense. It's not common sense. You got to write it. It has to be a system. So That's true. any kind of hole that I see in the company or any kind of mistake that I see in the company that we made, I'm like, all right, plug it and write a system. Make sure it's constantly being used. Right. If the system is or one of the things that we had to learn is that when we started the company, you have to pivot and pivot and pivot. And through COVID, you have to do all these pivots. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly you get so used to pivoting that it becomes a habit. And then you have to break the habit because you're like, why do you keep pivoting when we have systems that we need to follow now? Stop trying to break it now. Right. So 
have having people on board that you can work together with um and and that can understand you one of the things i do feel that business owners do tend to do is 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 there quite not all of them but if you're all about yourself and only mm. getting yourself to the top and not your team that's when you hit a massive you hit a massive like plateau because your team is the are the people that are going to help you build yourself and themselves together so your the mindset should change to how do i grow people and help them grow with me versus how do i just grow myself you just grow yourself you're not going to get anywhere you're just going to be a soul trader like That's what's going to happen you can't you can't expand you only have yeah. what 24 hours in a day versus if you have a team of 10 you have 240 hours yeah 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 i mean simple math simple yeah. math but you know in terms of um what what are the uh, how do i put this question um you mentioned just now this tree right strength honor and progression mm. so you want to go into depth into these three uh, let's call it pillars right of the way you look at things and what why is why are these three the key things you would feel um one strength would be mental mental strength not just physical yeah yeah and for for the occupation and for the company you're at you probably should have some physical strength and i mean that yeah, as in yeah. if you're doing some a sport and you're treating people i think you should be doing a sport yourself um yeah. and then mental strength oh that is huge the questions we ask in interviews we ask a lot of personality questions of what you've overcome um yeah and then i like if you had if you've not overcome anything or you can't answer it then i'm like mm. um progression i'm like really obsessive with continue like always progressing daily at something and okay if the team has that we can progress together if someone just wants to coast then yeah then well they they're not the person for me for my company and honor is just being honorable in what you're doing trying your best that doesn't mean not failing that means trying yeah. your best at that time that you think is right and not and being very transparent to people about it If you don't know you can say you don't know. If you fail own up to your failures but learn. Yeah. 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 So the part about I I found what I find interesting is the part about when you ask them what they've overcome. And what are you typically looking for? Like do you say well what have you overcome perhaps in in the world of physio or maybe like yourself going it's pretty through pretty anything uh, anything it doesn't have to be physio it can be anything i'm trying to look at the way you think and how you thought about your difficult situation and how you basically took steps to do something about it versus just like oh my life sucks <laughs> right yeah, yeah. right but do you think that the fact that you're on social media 
and people know who you are and what you're about. That kind of self-selects, right, for the kind of people that we interview. They're kind of like, yeah, you know what? I think if I'm going to apply for this company, I cannot be saying life sucks. I don't know whether that's your experience. It depends, though. see people It really depends. But sometimes they don't even realize they're saying it in different ways. We are, like, ask pretty abstract questions as well. I'll ask that, but also ask, like, have you heard of, do you know how Google interviews? I've, I've, I think I've read uh, articles. I'm more familiar with how, uh, I think, Peter Thiel interviews. But yeah, that, maybe you share with me the Google one. Yeah, Google asks you abstract questions that are just super random. Google will ask you, you know, if you want to take your dog to work, but your dog, like your house, your, your, sorry, your workmates are allergic to dogs, how would you do it? Your workmates, is it allergic to us? I see. Okay. So they'll ask you like really random questions like that. And right. they just are trying to see how you, you know, under pressure and such a weird question, how you navigate yourself through it. And how one of the things I really look for is if someone gives up on the question. If they give up on the question, I'm like, oh. So if someone what on the question, sorry? Gives up on the question. They're like, they oh, I don't know. With- I can't answer. Like, oh. And they just keep trying to find that out with no real answer, that's when right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you'll do that with everything else. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Yeah. Uh, I, should do, I should do that as well for the interviews we do now. Great tip. Great tip. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we're coming towards the end and I want to, maybe you can summarize, you know, you know, running a business, right? Specifically in your industry, what are, top, what are the top lessons that you would give the listeners like yeah running a business in any industry i would say um fail fast Mm -hmm. be okay with failing if you're not failing you're not doing it right like you have to fail to learn um or if you're not failing then you need to do some (laughs) self-reflection because i'm pretty sure you are but fail be able to pivot from failing really quickly um Nothing needs to be perfect. Do not aim for perfection. Aim for what can I get done immediately? And then how can I fix it if it's not perfect to make it perfect? And the third thing, I think you have to have a lot of grit. Mm -hmm. So being okay with people like slamming doors at you in your face, being okay with taking a competition just saying stuff about you but just going ahead anyway and constantly going because no matter how much you fail or even if you do get some sort of i don't know bad press or whatever if you keep going in like a year's time no one even remembers actually that's very very true how how short people's memories are yeah it's it's the person's it's the only person that remembers is yourself because yeah. you are so obsessed with yourself, right? Because your whole world revolves around yourself. Yeah. The next day, no one will remember. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, uh, yeah, I, I have nothing to add there. I think that's very true. So, you know, just to add, right, I know you're a big fan of progress. Um, what's the future like, right, for PV? You guys, has, you guys have, you know, exponentially grown, right, especially during the pandemic. But what uh, what do you hope to see, right, moving forward? What what do you would like to add to what you already have? 
So the main goal this five, four or five years has been to build a whole bunch of leaders and build a whole bunch of physios that are really good. Um, the next step is to basically spread the message, to spread the message that your body is like base, a lot more capable than it is to stop athletes retiring from due to injury. We're going to start opening up different practices in different locations and building from there. I want, if I can get it, I want 10, 10 locations in Are you guys at how years. many right now? We have one HQ and we're at two other locations. So we have three at the moment. Um, right. I, yeah, I want 10. And I want to grow, I want to educate the masses that you on your, the physical capabilities of someone's body. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's but a goal. So, um, but how about, um, and at the same time, I want to, to, um, still keep competing in powerlifting and eventually one day I'll want to go back to the world championships again. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that day, but how about internationally? <clears throat> Do you intend to like all, all these things? Does it really matter that it has to be in Australia or? No, it doesn't have to be in Australia. <clears throat> right. Um, yeah, because we currently have different, we currently have. Um, Ramanji, if I could say this on, but once you put this on, I'll probably will have that person already. We currently have people from different countries applying to our company. So we have currently in January, when we start, we have someone from New Zealand moving to Australia to work with us. We have okay. an American wanting to work with us um, in and move to Australia to work with us. So could be in different countries. You know what? Thank you so much for spending uh, time with me. Uh, this is, um, yeah, this has been an enlightening podcast. I know <laughs> I have a lot of friends in the personal training space who, uh, in fact, I, I did ask, a, you know, just, you know, a couple of them what questions they would ask. And they are also looking to break into doing uh, what you're doing. And uh, yeah, when will you be back in uh, Malaysia? Or if- I'm actually back in, on Christmas Day. <laughs> Ah, yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for yeah. I remember now. All right, yeah. man. Uh, hey, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, guys, hope you enjoyed this very different podcast. thought I'd bring something different to you guys uh, beyond the usual investing content. And as usual, like, comment, subscribe, usual stuff, follow us on Spotify. And guys, we'll see you in the next uh, pod.